UAW, CPI, and oil breaks $90 a barrel. Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Great show planned for you. We are glad you're here. On the way, we're going to talk about 401ks. Great article in the Wall Street Journal. The difference between the Roth 401k, a regular 401k, and, you know, we do this for companies. We help them set up their retirement plan services. So... We're going to haul our retirement plan services guy in here and talk about it. Ask Annex is on the way. Toward the end of the show, we're going to talk about quadros. That is a piece of a divorce settlement. What is the impact on financial and retirement planning? There's a bunch more to come, but we're glad you're here. I'm Danny Clayton, joined by the guy who 23 years ago said, you know what? I think there might be a better way. Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And that's right, 23 years ago. And it's interesting because when we started, I was coming out of a broker-dealer relationship. And what that is, folks, is a broker or a dealer, they sell product. And and I didn't want to do that anymore. So we really wanted to go down the road of being a fee-only fiduciary. And those terms mean something. So sometimes you'll hear people say they are a fiduciary. But that could be a part-time fiduciary, Danny. And that means that they're going to take that hat off sometimes to sell a product. Switching gears would now be a good time to ask you for a 40% raise. (laughs) Right. We're talking about the UAW now on strike, and it's pretty crafty the way they're doing it. Let's talk about the implications. Well, it's it's a big deal. And the reason why is, you know, it could have a domino effect in other industries. They say that the auto workers and the car building industry contribute to seven other jobs. So you think about supply chains, you know, where do they get their products? Who makes those products that go into the car? So it will have a domino effect if it stays as it is for a long time. Sure, because what it's going to do to those companies and those people that work for them, they're going to be sidelined for a while and it, it could have an impact. It's going to be an impact more than just driving up the prices of new cars, depending upon how long this goes. Right. So there's still some supply that they could burn through. But you, know, you think about what's going on here. And of course, the UAW, I'm sure that you've heard, is asking for a raise. And the, I heard the Ford CEO say the other day that it it's equates to $300,000 per year fully fringed for a four-day work week, and Ford says they can't afford that. Yeah, I bet not. Let's flip over to CPI. And I think over the last couple of years, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, you probably have master's degrees in inflation because we've all been living it. So the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is a closely watched number when we saw a tick upward. Right. And, and you think about what makes up CPI, which is, you know, the generally accepted definition of inflation. There's parts of that. One of those things is renter's equivalency. And that means, you know, if you have a mortgage and you were paying rent, what would that turn out to be? And so you look at the parts of that. But, you know, part of what is we saw in CPI coming down to 3% is the Fed watches this number. It's not their preferred indicator, but it's something they watch very closely. And it will determine what they do next. Of course, the Fed meets next week. We expect them not to raise rates. But that doesn't mean that they're done. We're going to parse their words very carefully to see what they do and how things go over the next 30 days because going into that number, of course, folks, is energy. And we see that the price of oil ticked over $90 a barrel. And, of course, that you know, if you look at a chart, Danny, that has got some momentum to it. Well, when they talk about energy, I mean, I don't know how much you drive, but I'm a 50-mile-a-day guy, and, and you know, that, that kind of ticks away at things. Speaking of consumer spending and maybe the fun stuff is – the, the American consumer is just not giving up. Do you think that right. this is a, 
not a hangover from from COVID, but is it YOLO? I mean, you only live once. We're going to continue to buy stuff. I, I, I part of that is that they are in a better position post. COVID because they they had some money that came in, they didn't spend as much, and so the consumer was insulated to some degree, and their financials are better, and they're going out and spending it, especially those who did go through a lockdown for a significant amount of time. They want to go out and do some events, they go out and spend some of the money, go out to restaurants and travel, and we're starting to see that. So all of this is going to go into the soup, if you will, for the Fed's meeting next week. Let's pay attention to that. We don't expect them to raise rates and we also think that they may be done for the year but don't take that to the bank absolutely folks what we do is investment and retirement planning tax planning and estate planning we've often said it we're going to meet you right where you're at maybe annex ignite if you're just starting out and your situation is fairly simple maybe that's where you need to be maybe it's annex comprehensive wealth maybe it's annex private client if your situation is incredibly complex we've got the teams built to handle you no matter what your situation that is our week in review always available as a podcast delivered Sundays in the Axiom newsletter. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, September 16th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Sharpen your investment and retirement strategy at the Annex Wealth Management Navigating the Markets presentation. What are the headwinds for portfolios in excess of a million dollars? Will the long-awaited recession actually happen? And what can you do to calibrate your portfolio? Navigating the Markets takes place in Mequon, September 26th, and Brookfield, October 5th. These premier events are open to everyone. Complete details and sign up at AnnexWealth.com events. The American economy is at a critical juncture. What's next? Join us for Navigating the Markets from Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, just talking about the Axiom. If you like, sign up for the Axiom. It is a free weekly newsletter. It delivers on Sundays. Don't have to be a client for that. We're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, with a great Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, a couple of different podcasts, and then we've got Graphonomics at AnnexWealth.com, three graphs that will help you make sense of the economy. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, is here. Had a really sweet moment because, Dave, what we do is prepare people for retirement, and we had one of our own enter retirement, Dave Batten, who's been with you a long, long time. Yeah, what a quality individual, and it's fun, really, to go through the maturity of a company and say, you know, we've got young people, we've got interns, we've got young people that are still in college working here, and we had somebody retire and went through his career uh, and really served the clients very well. A compassionate person, listens very well. We're sad to see him go, but we're happy for him. He said some very sweet things to the staff when we met, and he said, it is an honor and a privilege to serve our clients. And he meant it, we mean it. It was really good. And the greatest thing, and I was a little envious, Okay, I was a lot envious. I said, so where are you going first? He goes, we don't know. Yeah. So they basically sold. They're going to be traveling around the country. In and, an RV? Uh, oh, my yeah, gosh. Gonna, I mean, just a little around. envious. And, and, he's, and he's building a house, too. Yeah. So, But it's, it's going to be great. I'm really happy for them. Yep, yep. Hey, let's get back to the UAW, because that could be really a major impact with that strike. And this is the biggest strike that's, that's happened in decades, right? Well, the, you know, there's been a couple of close calls, you know, that the dock workers were going to strike. Of course, we had a rail strike that was coming down. Uh, and President Biden, who put positions himself as a pro-union guy, this probably isn't good. And I find it interesting, of course, because, uh, the, by the way, the UAW is the one union that has not endorsed uh, Joe Biden to, to this point. But you think about the long-lasting effects, and uh, you know it does have a trickle-down effect, if you will, 
uh, you know, there's a supply chain that goes into making all of these products that go into a car. Now, this is just some of their facilities. It's not all of their facilities. Uh, they're obviously a much bigger union uh, with 146,000 workers. So, you know, we're going to watch this to see if it does have a trickle down. But there is a macro view as well to this, Danny. And that, of course, if this continues, GDP could decrease, sure. unemployment could go up. And of course, this could be, uh, could this could push inflation as well, which of course will affect what the Fed does. The figure I saw was a 10-day strike of the big three, and this would be everybody out, $5.6 billion economic loss. Now, compared to everything, mm-hmm. it's still not a huge percentage, but I'm telling you, you know, it's, it chips away. Yeah, it does. And that's why we're, we're going to watch it. We'll see if they can come together. I did see an interview from the Ford CEO, and folks, if you want to go look for that, it was, it was eye-opening as I said in the opening segment, he said they are asking for $300,000 fully fringed for a four-day work week. And then he compared that to other workers and he said they couldn't do it. And they also said Ford would go bankrupt if they did this. Mm. So we're, we're going to watch this, of course. You know, there could be winners and losers in this. One of them could be plants perhaps in Mexico. It could be Toyota, you know, there, there could be winners and losers to this as well. Read in Wall Street Journal, this is BYD, which is this huge Chinese electric right. car manufacturer right. could hear and, and could get here. And meanwhile, Tesla, who's not under that kind of collective bargaining, could do pretty well here. And you think about, you know, really where that's coming from, you know, it is re- in response to the EV policy that could cost them jobs down the road. Well, it's, of course, Joe Biden had said that he wants two thirds of all cars to be EV products in the next four to eight years, well, that's going to have a direct effect on the UAW, of course, because they are concerned that's going to cost them jobs. I think every guy listening doesn't mind playing the game how far you can get that little gas right, thing down. Exactly. I don't know if I'd like to play that with, with an electric. I just, I, I don't know if I can. You know, we rented one, and we were down to like, I don't know, 60%. We went to dinner and, and plugged in. It was like, this is going to be awesome. We go out after an hour and a half. We go out and it's it's 64%. Oh, really? <laughs> right. oh, right. so well, it's one of the slow trickle ones, but right. but, but still, yeah. When, and by, by the way, and speaking of that, you know, energy, you know, is, is part of the conversation. We're seeing that oil over $90 a barrel and some analysts saying it's going to go higher from here. So it, it may be, the timing may be very interesting for this story. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management, put him and the rest of the team that he he has put together for your investment and your retirement planning, your tax planning and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Where are you going to fit? we got a place for you. Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, and Annex Private Client. More on that a little bit later in the show. First was the 401k, then the Roth 401k. How do you decide? We put that to our director of retirement plan services, and he's got some thoughts. We'll talk to him right after break on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, is here. Hello, Tom. Hey, Danny. Wall Street Journal, well-respected newspaper, right? It's one of the few publications for which I have a subscription, so yes, I do think so. Actual journalists, extensive coverage of business and finance, right? All sorts of good stuff in there. Right. That's where I saw the headline, Roth versus traditional 401k, where to put your money for retirement. That got my attention and apparently yours as well. As soon as you asked me about this, I knew exactly what we were talking about. So yes, we were in tune on this one, Danny. Let's talk about that. The 401k is what you do here at Annex Wealth Management for companies we work with. It was built on a simple idea. You set aside money from each paycheck to save for tomorrow and get a tax break today. The article points out many workers now have other options, which is to save the tax break 
break for tomorrow too. So we're talking about the Roth 401k. How does that work? So I'm going to real quick promote our YouTube channel because we have a great video where it talks about Roth versus pre-tax. But in essence, the answer to your question is how does Roth work? It is essentially the treatment of the contributions in terms of taxes. So traditional pre-tax 401k is you don't pay any taxes on it now, grows tax deferred, come retirement time, you take it out, you pay taxes on it then. Roth is just the opposite. You do pay the taxes now, then the money goes in, grows tax deferred till retirement, at which point, assuming you've completed all the other rules I'm not going to get into today, but at that point, you don't have to pay taxes. So it's either it's pay now instead of pay later, basically. When do you want to bite the bullet? Correct. (laughs) Right. Roth accounts might not be the best choice for everybody, and deciding how much of your money should go into the Roth versus traditional It's calculation. It's current spending, future taxable income, life expectancy, and other factors, some of which are, quote, unknowable. (laughs) Unknowable. That sounds complicated. A lot of them are unknowable, Danny. And so when you say that, you know, some of the things are unknowable, let's start with what is knowable. So what we do know is what we're paying in taxes today. And what we don't know is all the other stuff that you're talking about. So I think there are a couple of groups. There are people for whom Roth is just obviously the right answer. And then there are people for whom Roth is obviously not the right answer. And then it's that middle in-between group that we got to help figure out all these little details that you're talking about here. And that's why we we meet with people one-on-one to kind of go through and ask a lot of questions and help them figure it out. Roth 401ks create opportunities for some to reduce lifetime tax bills and leave more money for retirement or heirs. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And it's just, again, a question of how you're structuring that in the context of your overall plan. Okay, let's get back to this. Not everybody should contribute to a Roth concept. How come? Well, there are people for whom the tax liability currently is going to outweigh the future tax liability. And the other thing is compound growth over time. The closer you are to retirement, the less value that compound tax-free growth has. So it's just a question of how close to retirement are you starting with the account? Are you already have an account that continues to grow? All of those things. And that's why people, you know, sometimes they're dissatisfied that I can't just give a quick answer. But we do need to understand all the variables to help figure it out. But there are definitely cases where it's just the timing or the amounts just don't make it make sense. Well, and this is what a financial plan does. And this is why we have teams that can help with this. You know, an old broken down warhorse like me, I got to ask those kind of questions. Right? We all do, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services with Annex Wealth Management. He and his team work with companies to help build and maintain solid retirement plans. And these are plans that attract and retain great employees. Roth or traditional 401k, how does one decide? Basically, you take a look and you try to get a feel for what do you think is going to happen in the future based on what you know today. Some of this is just personal, Danny. I like knowing. So I know what my tax rate is today. I love Roth because I'm paying it and I'm done and I don't need to think about it again. Now, is that a really great financial plan from a calculator and spreadsheet perspective? Maybe it's not, but personality factors into this. I do think you need to figure out some of the maths. You know, you do need to understand what are tax rates now, but then it gets into what do I think tax rates are going to be in the future? I personally think they're probably not going to be the same because they usually change. So then the question is, all right, are they going to be higher? Are they going to be lower? I personally think it's more likely they'll be higher than it is lower. Then the question is how much higher versus what they are. All this, you know, these are all the things that we talk about with people. And then you start putting people's specific information in. That's where you start to get a clearer picture. Can you split contributions? Can some go to the Roth? Can some go to a regular 401k? Yes, you can do that. That is one thing I don't 
understand, honestly, why people would do that. It seems like you should either do Roth or you should do pre-tax, but I could be wrong about that. And again, that's why we have the financial planning department. And Danny, I will say, I've had some spirited discussions with the folks on our financial planning department, which is another thing I love about being here is we've got people who have a lot of really good insight and we don't always have the same opinion, but you know, we, we hammer it out and figure out what's going to be the right, right answer for clients here. Oh, I think if we were all in lockstep, it probably would not work. No, that would not be helpful. Right. We figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. We can help your company. You can find Tom on LinkedIn or via AnnexWealth.com. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, September 16th. It's bottom of the hour. Time for news. And for that, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Time for Ask Annex. As always, got a question, you head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask tab. And as always, if we can help, and I know we can, hit the Get Started button. In the studio, Fred Coleman, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. And we got Matt Morrissey, Investment Team Manager and a CFP. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. First question is, my buddies say I should look into quant funds. New to me, what do I need to know? This must have been another backyard discussion. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love those. Quant funds really is a general term and, and a short for quantitative. And essentially what it is is using math in order to find a way to improve your investment outcomes. So a lot of times it's going back into history to find different correlations between asset classes or trends within asset classes and trying to use what's happened in the past to predict the future. The end goal is that instead of having a stock picker or a bond picker that's actively managed your portfolio, is that you're trying to take that emotion out of it and saying, I just want certain things to happen at certain times because it's happened in the past. Now, the risk with that is that the future is not always like the past. Just because in a high inflationary environment in the past, certain stocks might have done better than others doesn't mean that's going to repeat itself going forward. So you're kind of relying on that happening. The other thing that they might be trying to do, because again, this is a pretty broad topic, is that maybe they're trying to find different trends that are happening in the market. If certain stocks are above a certain moving average, to them, that's a buy signal. If they fall below that moving average, it's a sell signal. Now, there's legs on a lot of these things. And again, you're hoping that what's happened in the past will continue to happen in the future. So the range of outcomes could be very, very different. This year, as an example, stocks are up quite a bit this year, but a lot of the quad funds have underperformed this year because it took them a little while to get into that game and they're lagging performance so far this year. But again, that's not all of them. Again, it's a broad topic. So you really got to know what you're getting yourself into, knowing what the range of outcomes are, and understand that they're probably designed to do something different than what the general market's doing. So you might have a very different result. You said that it's a lot of math. Yeah. And there's a human factor. Is this something that AI will pick up down the road? I would assume so. And really what that what they would replace in that is is all the work that goes in ahead of time to try to figure out what you're trying to figure out. A lot of this, again, is based off of what's happened in the past. And so AI would, would be able to do that really, really quickly versus somebody on Excel or trying to use you know Python or these different programming programs in order to figure that stuff out. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to get out is that human element of deciding, I want to buy Apple today or sell Apple today because the math is going to tell you what you should do. Next up on Ask Annex, and it's a big one. So Fred, here it comes. I'm a 39-year-old male, have just over $200,000 in retirement accounts. This is between 150K in my 401K and 54K in my Roth IRA. That doesn't include my HSA and brokerage accounts. I make 100,000 a year as my base salary before bonuses, which can vary. I thought I was doing okay, but I guess I need to save more since I read I should have three times my salary by 40. Is that a realistic expectation? I save 15% of my salary into my 401k and get a 6% match. I also max out my Roth IRA and HSA every year. First off, good effort, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're doing a great job saving. 
you're doing all the right activities, and that's the thing that you can control. I wouldn't look at any of those numbers that you see online as hard rules because they don't know your specific situation. Many other things come into play when determining how much you should have. Are you retiring early or do you want to work for a long time? Do you have debt? If you have less debt, that 200000 is going to go longer way than if you have a lot more debt. What will your lifestyle be? All those things come into play. Taxes, Social Security, family. You have to take all those things in consideration, and that's where the planning aspect comes in. At. So I would say continue focusing on those good habits that you're exhibiting. Put a plan together. Continue maxing out that HSA, Roth. And if you can, put some more in that 401k and you'll be in a good spot. Next up on Ask Annex, high net worth individuals defined by Cap Gemini as those with a million dollars or more in investable assets held over 34% of their portfolios in cash as of January 2023. Should I try to mirror that? You know, I think a good way to sum up this question, actually even the one before, is don't compare yourself to others because your situations can be really unique to yourself. Just as Fred was going through, your situations can be different than somebody else. So how much you have saved and what types vehicles is going to be really important to you specifically, but not others. Same thing with cash in a portfolio. When they're looking at people with a million dollars or more in investable assets, that's a million dollars or more, and that number could get pretty big over that. So that's going to get skewed by people who have hundreds of millions of dollars who might have cash for specific reasons. Maybe they just sold a company or they're going to be looking to buy another company. For you, you want to look at, okay, what's the purpose of the cash in my portfolio? Generally here, we like to have lower levels of cash, but if we are going to be a little bit elevated, things like money markets, treasuries are going to be a way to get a yield on that while you're waiting to be able to use that cash for something else. But again, we're looking at it from a portfolio concept, and we'd rather have you invested in, in making more money off of that as possible from a risk-adjusted standpoint. So I wouldn't compare yourself to others, but I would look at what is your goals, what's your goal for that cash portion of your portfolio, and what are you trying to achieve? Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Thank you. Thank you. Fred Coleman, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Quadros are a term that you're going to find in divorce settlements. How does it impact your investment and retirement strategy. We're going to talk about it next after a break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Todd. Hi, Danny. So you're a vital cog in the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee machine plenty of exposure to a number of clients and over the course of your career unfortunately probably seen some marriages end which is a process that requires the detangling of assets one of the terms people might be familiar with is qualified domestic relations order or quadro could you please define quadro for us sure a quadro is a domestic relations order it's a court order dividing up retirement plans and divorce because retirement plans are considered marital property retirement plans can be tapped into pay alimony child support they're generally used to divide retirement plans and not all the time are they used if one spouse is getting a house the other one's getting a retirement plan there wouldn't be a necessity for a quadro So who would decide that division besides the quadro? It's usually negotiated between the attorneys for the property division. During the divorce process, when a couple has portfolios that include pensions, 401ks, and other various retirement accounts, what options does each party have when working through that division? For starters, each state considers retirement plans as marital assets. Quadro can award a lump sum even before retirement and right away in many cases from a 401k to be paid to a spouse. Non-participant spouse can take direct distributions from the 401k or similar plan without a tax penalty or transfer all or a portion to an IRA. The key is 
They can divide that and take part of it as cash, part of it rolled over to an IRA, or generally it's all rolled over to an IRA. What does non-participant mean? It means the spouse that's not a participant to the retirement plan, that's not employed as part of that plan. I just want to add something to that. There's defined contribution plans to your 401k. Those are account balances. Those can be divided rather easily. Then there's defined benefit plans, kind of like the type of plans that your parents would own that have monthly benefits. Those are split as well, and they can be split in any proportion. And the non-participant spouse has the same ability to retire when they want to and start taking their part of that benefit. Let's talk taxes. Would the plan withhold income taxes on the distribution? On lump sum distributions from a quadro, most plans are required to withhold 20%. There are a few exceptions like employee stock ownership plans, but a safe assumption is that on direct distribution, other than rolling the proceeds to an IRA, there will be withholding 20% for taxes. This is not a penalty. The monies that were contributed to the plan are generally not taxed, so it's taxed coming out of the plan, no different for the participant spouse or the the non-participant spouse. With Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management, we're covering qualified domestic relations orders, or quadros, during a divorce. So what are the options for the spouse and the proceeds? I mean, does it stay in the plan, or is it better to roll it over, invest it otherwise? Well, the non-participant spouse can keep their interest in the plan. plan generally doesn't care for that idea, but they still have all the, the rights of the participant, but many will take the distribution, roll it to their IRA, so they maintain control over their money and not the company because you have many more options outside the plan. Yeah. You can get the same options in the plan, like if, if it's a 401k, and this is true for even just people retiring and, and have a choice of keeping it in the 401k or rolling it to an IRA. The difference is in the IRA, they can get CDs, treasuries, stocks. They can get the same funds that they had in a 401k, so they have much more flexibility, probably ease of moving monies in and out to safe places or whatever, but they can also cash in a portion of that quadro district distribution, keeping in mind no penalty, but they'll end up paying regular income tax. And that can be before 59 and a half. So who helps with this during a divorce? Is this a divorce attorney thing? Is this a wealth management partner like Annex Wealth Management? Because I'm going to guess this is a really important moment. People need to watch out for certain red flags. Oh, you're right. It's a major asset. And it's one of the two major assets, of, you know, besides a house and a, and a marital estate. Annex can definitely help with the distribution to the alternate payee in their own IRA and follow through with cash flow retirement planning. It's important for the non-participant spouse receiving a distribution that doesn't have that planning or investment experience. And so you can go to Annex a Wealth Manager and get a plan. That, that to me is really important. I've dealt with this. I've written articles published on Quadros, a small segment of that chief investment strategist role, but it's really important this transition for that alternate payee, even for the participant spouse, as they roll into retirement, that they have that type of plan and guidance. And we know the ins and outs and the intricacies of that. So regardless who prepares the quadro, the main thing is that whoever is the alternate payee, they receive competent advice, not only competent advice on the quadro, but competent advice when it comes to investments, the markets, and the economy and so forth. 
And so a big part of that rollover is not just rolling it over into an IRA. It's what you do with it at that point. So you need that investment guidance. You need tax planning assistance for that. Annex also has the team that will work on the estate planning part and work with the attorneys or in tax planning, work with the CPAs. And so I think it's really important to follow through. It's a crucial decision. Folks, if you need the help, our website, AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. We'll guide you through. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Before we get to break, I want to talk to you about navigating the markets. It's a premier event from Annex Wealth Management. It's open to everybody. We have four versions of it coming. September 26th, Mequon up at Concordia. October 3rd, Madison, Middleton Marriott. October 5th, we're in Brookfield at Sharon Lynn Wilson Center. October 10th in Appleton. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. We're going to be back. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. The show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour. I'm Danny Clayton, joined by Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Great to be here. So back in the COVID era was a time of meme stocks. A lot of at-home day traders. Robin Hood was huge. It kind of became the gamification yep. of trading. Some mm-hmm. people made money. Many people did not. There were countless Reddit threads about this. But the gamification is kind of interesting, and it's a little scary. There was a recent Wall Street Journal story that sounded a new alarm bell. Brian, the headline was, amateurs pile into 24-hour options. Quote, it's just gambling. The subhead said, rookie speculators try to strike it big on short-term investments that often act like lottery tickets. We're going to talk about options, whom they might be appropriate and for whom they might not be appropriate. Quick explanation on options. Sure. Yeah. So options, you can think of them as like a form of like insurance where you get insurance to protect against some sort of loss. And that's kind of the original idea behind an option contract. It gives you the right, but not the obligation to do something. So specifically, if you're buying a call option, that is the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a particular price over a certain period of time. So there's always an expiration date. So it could be like one week, one month, one year. Now the new thing is 24-hour one. So it's this right but not an obligation to purchase something. A put option, on the other hand, is the right but not the obligation to sell something. So it can provide a little bit of downside protection. If you're concerned about where the markets might go, you could consider a put option to be able to sell a security at a predefined price. It sounds complex. This is investing 301, 401? <laughs> it is. It, it, it is, right? And, you know, if you open up a brokerage account, oftentimes if you want to get options added to that account, that capability, it doesn't come by default, and nor should it, because these are things that can be very dangerous. You have to understand exactly what you're buying and the price that you're paying for it, because there's certain educational requirements and document disclosures that you have to read in order to make sure that hopefully, that you don't get burned by trading these. Speaking of the burn, let's quickly talk about who should not be messing with options. Well, I would say that if you really don't know what it is that you're buying and why you're buying it, and the vast majority of people probably should have no interest in options. They are high risk. Oftentimes, you can use them for to reduce risk for portfolios. But if you misuse them, it can increase the risk. And that's the danger. So for us, we consider this more for the high net worth individuals and not for anybody who's just kind of starting out. It might 
make sense for the right investor. Let's talk about those people. Sure. So we oftentimes will use them for uh, as a tool instead of a strategy. So it's not just to trade the options to try to make money on the option. It's coupled with the entire portfolio where we might want to say you can not just buy options, you can also sell them. That's called writing them. So you can sell them, you get a premium, that's what it's called, the price that you sell it for. And it could be a way in order to increase income off of a portfolio, or we can use them to, let's say we want to enter into a stock position, but we don't think now is a good time. So what we can consider doing is writing a put option where it would then pre-commit us basically to buying a stock if the price falls to a certain point. So these are very complex techniques that you can use. So we view them as tools, not strategies and toys to trade. This is probably in the realm of what Annex private client does? It is. And so within our private client group, we will oftentimes find out whether or not it's appropriate for the client's financial goals to use the options. Uh, you can also use them for, let's say you worked for a company and you have a lot of company stock. And so it, that's called a concentrated position. We can use options sometimes in order to help manage the risk around that because, you know, God forbid something happens to the stock price of this concentrated position, that could be very impactful on a, a client's overall portfolio, even for high net worth individuals. Within Annex Private Client, is this something we would do on behalf of our clients or at the direction? Oh, this is something that we do. We take discretion on it. So we will talk to them, find out whether or not it's appropriate, and then they will work with us to give us the discretion to trade these as part of the overall portfolio. Because I think it is important to take that overall portfolio view, not to view them as just toys to trade. Options. Are they appropriate for you? We've outlined the case of who it might not be appropriate for, but who it might be appropriate for as well. And the big word there is might. Exactly. It really does take that conversation to find out what are your goals and then view these as tools and how can they, if appropriate, be used for that client's financial journey. We need to assess your situation, but that can be at AnnexWealth.com, clicking that Get Started button. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We will meet you where you're at. Might be Annex Ignite. Might be Annex Comprehensive Wealth. Might be Annex Private Client. Great place to start, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10 a.m. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.